This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. And Mineshaft has taken the lead. He has done it readily. He is cruising in front. Quest is under an all-out drive. He's already under the whip. And now just a nudge from Robbie Alvarado, and Mineshaft is on his way. Mineshaft opening up here. Two and a half lengths. Quest giving his all. He's second. And a break of about seven lengths back to evening at Tireford. They're coming into the final furlong, and it's going to be Mineshaft. Mineshaft, routinely brilliant to win here at Belmont Park once again. He has won the Jockey Club Gold Cup, and he has done it with style. Quest finishing second. Evening attire was third. The final time was two minutes and a fifth. Now, here's Bobby Newman. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon. 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, covering live action from around the country, and we've got a full slate of action this afternoon. We've got the finale at Gulfstream coming up, oh, about eight, nine minutes from now. They're in the paddock now for the ninth race and final race on the card. Final two races on the Aqueduct card we'll be covering. We've also got live action from Fairgrounds, Oaklawn, and Santa Anita Park, where we'll go in just a couple of minutes. We're also going to be joined Somewhere uh, middle of the show by Nick Tamaro. He is the track announcer at Sam Houston. They've got Texas Preview Day tomorrow at Sam Houston. Going to pick his brain and see if he's got any uh, selections for us for that big card at Sam Houston tomorrow. If you'd like to call in, feel free to do so. Number to get in is 888-966-4776. That's 888-966-HRRN. You can always email me directly as well, either during or after the shows, bobby at horseracingradio.net. That is B-O-B-B-Y. All right, let's get out to Santa Anita. They're about two minutes away from post time for the second race on the card at the Great Race Place. And right now at Santa Anita Park, it is 67 degrees under partly cloudy skies. Main track is fast. The turf is firm. And we're on the dirt. For race number two, it is a two-turn mile event, an optional claiming allowance event for Calbred fillies and mares, non-winners of one other than, or in for a claiming tag of $20,000, just a field of five going to post in this race. By the way, this is the second of five straight days of racing in Southern California. Not too often that we see five days of racing in a row in Southern California, and it makes you kind of wonder if they have what the racing will look like in the coming weeks. It's not like they are overloaded with a horse population in Southern California. I know they've gotten some help by some of the folks who are based in Northern California already shipping down to Southern California, but still, they don't really have enough horses to race on a regular basis five days in a row in SoCal. So we'll see that they were they're able to fill all of these race days. But we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. You know what? Let's go to the phones as they come to the gate, and we can actually uh, bring a California guy on to uh, help us with this second race. Paul in California, they're going to the gate for race two at Santa Anita, where number five, Court Snort, is the even money favorite. Yeah, so either the even money favorite or everybody else. It's getting so hard to pick a race at Santa Anita with five and six horses. Um, but I, I was going to tell you a quick story, but I, I can save it for after the race. 
Let's do but, that um, then. Let's do that because I definitely want to hear from you. They are going in for this race. By the way, Court Snort was 4-1 to one on the morning line, claimed out of a condition $16,000 claimer last time out where she came from off the pace and won sprinting, now stretching out to a mile, uh, going for a barn in Lenny Powell that does very well off the claim. Flavian Pratt aboard. Frank Miramati on the microphone. And they're off. Santa C bounces out on top. Satoshi, Sweet Hello, Court Snort, Tizzy Twister at the back of the field. Santa C sets an honest pace, and Sweet Hello moves up on the outside to take second. Satoshi tucked in third. They're followed by Court Snort, fourth, three lengths off the lead, and another three back to Tizzy Twister. Six furlongs to run, and it's Santa C showing the way by a length and a half. Sweet Hello in second. Satoshi still third. Then it's Court Snort, four lengths off the pacemaker while in hand. Two more to Tizzy Twister. Five furlongs out. Sand to Sea continues on the front end with Sweet Hello right off her flank in second. Satoshi at the rail, joined by Court Snort, who's inching closer, and two more to Tizzy Twister. Past a half-mile pole, no change. Sand to Sea over Sweet Hello. Satoshi and Court Snort head and head, and Tizzy Twister asked to pick it up from behind. Seven lengths off front running Sandesee, who's been there every step of the way. Now Court Snort inching up outside of Sweet Hello. Satoshi has lost significant ground. Nothing yet from Tizzy Twister. They're a quarter of a mile from home, and it's Sandesee, Court Snort. In between them, Sweet Hello. An eighth to run, Santasi trying to hold off Court Snort. Santasi digs in a length. Court Snort getting closer, gradually on the outside. Court Snort, Santasi, Santasi, Court Snort. Court Snort and Flavian Pratt push on by late to win it by a length. Santasi, sweet hello, Satoshi. Unofficially 5-2-4-1 in the second race at Santa Anita as the favorite Court Snort gets the job done. Hard-fought victory for the team of Lenny Powell and Flavian Pratt. And Courts North betters all over this one. Uh, proves them right in race two at Santa Anita. Before we go out to our next live race, let's go back to the phones. Paul in California. All right, what story have you got for me, my friend? So the last time we talked, we were talking about Manny Franco switching uh, assignments on a, on a, in a big race. And I said, well, I always just, I don't even bother looking. I, I stick with Franco. And, and, of course, he lost that day. But, um so uh, fast forward to Florida, uh, uh, the, the last big race day um, down at Gulfstream. Uh, Holy Bull, no, not, was it Holy Bull? Yes. Um, so there's a race on the Tapita, and the, the number one horse is looking awesome, just won by three lengths, and uh, I rad sitting on him. And I look, and, I, and Jaramillo rode the last race. And I said, well, why wouldn't Jaramillo ride him now? There's no way that the trainer's going to throw him off. So Jaramillo's on the eight horse. The eight horse couldn't tell you anything, reason why he could win. He had a little back class, no reason to win. I said, but I'm going to stick with my thing. And I, I bet him, uh, wheel him in the exact and everything. 48 to 1. He runs right next to Arad through the whole race. And Ed just passed him, and you end up with a three dollar exact that it pays one hundred ninety seven dollars for a dollar, and just just jockey swapping. So, 
Well, that's a that's a great handicapping angle, Paul, and I appreciate the call. And yeah, it's something that uh, I know you use religiously, and a lot of other people use as well. I I think it works about I'm going to say 80, 80 to ninety percent of the time that the jockeys, when they have their choice. Uh, make the right choice. Now, it's, sometimes it's the rider making the choice. Sometimes it's the agent. Sometimes it's the two. But, uh, you know, every now and then, the rider doesn't actually have a choice between the two. And we don't know what the situation was there with Jaramillo and that horse. But whatever it worked out, that's all that really mattered. It worked out. And, um, you know, believe it or not, even when they win, sometimes uh, they're taken off the horse or they're not given the opportunity to ride the horse back because it was kind of a, a known thing going in, maybe that, hey, you're riding this horse this time, but uh, if he wins and runs back into so-and-so stake, uh, you know, we're going to put Ortiz or we're going to put Rosario, or we're going to put Pratt or we're going to put Gaffleone or whoever, you know, you name, big name jock here uh, on it. And uh, whether it's the trainer wanting to say the owner wants this rider or bup, 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 or we've kind of committed to, you know, if the horse is in the race, I'm going to use that jock. Uh, it is what it is. But uh, whatever happened, it worked out very well for you, Paul, and I appreciate the call, and I'm glad that you cashed a ticket. It's hard to find $48 horses, so uh, and uh, nothing wrong with $196 on the exacta as well, and uh, that's certainly a good story, and certainly wish you the best of luck this weekend as well, my friend, uh, with all the great races around the country. All right, over at Gulfstream Park, speaking of Holy Bull Day, Gulfstream Park's got one race left on their Friday card. It's 76 degrees here in South Florida, cloudy skies, and they're on the fast main track for this ninth and final race of the Gulfstream card, just a field of eight going to post here. It's a starter allowance optional claiming event. These are four-year-olds and up, either running under starter allowance conditions or in for a claiming tag of $35,000. Number four, Concrete Glory is the heavy favorite in here for the team of Safi Joseph and Tyler Gaffleon. What a great claim this was by Safi Joseph back in December of 2022. Claimed the horse for $6,250 and has run the horse seven times since all at either optional claiming allowance, starter, optional, basically the same kind of level that we're running in today. And the horse has won five of the seven races for Safi Joseph, uh, banked over 61000 last year, already 16000 this year. So you do the math and uh, the connections of Concrete Glory uh, before, I was going to say before uh, uh, taxes and gratuities, but before uh, before fees and and training and all that <clears throat> have uh, made seventy thousand dollars in just over a year, and that's uh, listen nothing to sneeze at uh, when you're claiming a horse for sixty two fifty. Concrete Glory, um, the one time that Concrete Glory did not run well was when they shipped to the fairgrounds and caught a sloppy track during one of the claiming crown races. And um, he was just terrible that day. And I don't know if it was the sloppy track that did him in or the fact that he had to run faster early on than he really wants to go. But whatever it was, he's really good at Gulfstream Park and he's really good on a fast track. And the plain and simple fact is, if he runs one of his good races, he's better than this field. I'm just, just plainly looking at speed figures and I'm handicapping using the ultimate pass performances at brisnet.com, uh, so I can't vouch for what, uh, you, know, you know, racing form speed figures or ragas and sheets or whatever, say. Um, but just on these speed figures that I'm looking at, Concrete Glory has this field over a barrel if 
he runs one of his good races. So um, they're kind of taking their time as they get behind the starting gate for the finale over at Gulfstream. I can tell you at Oaklawn Park, they're about four minutes away from their sixth race, so we should be able to get there. And it's raining over at Fairgrounds now, and that's important to know because it's supposed to be kind of raining, not necessarily steadily, but mostly on, some off, all the way until about noon tomorrow. You heard that right. It is supposed to just rain and rain and continue raining. Just pesky nonsense you don't want to go play golf in it kind of a rain uh, basically for at least the next 18 hours or so. And that may seriously affect the monster card they have at fairgrounds tomorrow. They have six stakes on tap tomorrow. Three of them are turf stakes. Uh, four of the six are graded stakes, of course, highlighted by the Risen Star and the Rachel Alexandra, which are Der- Kentucky Derby and Oaks Points qualifiers, respectively. Um, so if you are handicapping for tomorrow's big card at fairgrounds, just in case you should take a look at the dirt races to maybe be run on a sloppy track. It could happen. And you should take a look at the turf races to not be run on the turf. I'm guessing they're going to try to keep at least the stakes on the turf, but listen, mother nature rules in this. They can, they can, them saying they're going to try to keep the races on the turf. There's nothing they can do about it. It's not like they can sit there okay please be dry please be dry please be dry that that's that's what th- them trying to make the races stay on the turf is it's not like they have some magic elixir that they can apply to the turf that will make it okay to run the turf or the stakes races tomorrow so keep that in mind if you're handicapping the fairgrounds card for tomorrow uh okay over at Gulfstream, they have finally decided to get to the starting gate and uh, load up for this ninth and final race on the card. Once again, solid favorite is the wind machine number four, Concrete Glory. 11 wins from 28 career starts, and he's won seven of his 11 tries on the main track here at Gulfstream. He goes into post position number four with uh, Tyler Gaffleone aboard. He was aboard last time out. When Concrete Glory blitzed a field uh, against uh, going seven furlongs, here's Pete Aiello on the call. And they're off. In the middle, it's Concrete Glory ridden for the early lead. Zydeco's going to run with him and speeding through with their inside. The Distractor's on the go, but Concrete Glory works to a narrow lead. The Distractor is second from Zydeco and third. They've gone two better than Celestial Glaze, who improves at the inside. In between horses, Morgan Point and out a bit wide is Bird Wildcat. Thought is second last, and way at the back is Lightning Tones, the late runner, through the opening quarter of 22-2. and two. The race to the half-mile point. Concrete Glory has the lead, working off the inside. The Distractor's on to challenge. A length and a half back to Celestial Glaze, who's third at the rail from Zydeco and fourth. Back to fifth, that's Thought. Back to sixth, it's Morgan Point, then Bird Wildcat, and still well back, the trailer Lightning Tones. Three-eighths of a mile from home. Concrete Glory went 44-2 and two for a half mile. Right alongside is the distractor from second, Celestial Glaze and Zydeco. They both have a chance from their third and fourth. Trying to wind it up from the back is Thought. Lightning Tones is underway with pace ahead of him, and they're at the top of the stretch. Less than a quarter of a mile to come, and the Concrete Glory shakes free. Off the turn, Concrete Glory now by four. Down the center of the racetrack, Thought tries to get into second with a retreating the distractor. Late run out and way out the center from the outside horse, Lightning Lightning Tones, he's rolling home for a slice, but if you back Concrete Glory, you can go collect. Concrete Glory wins. Lightning Tones is up for second. I think Thought wins the show photo over the Distractor, 122 flat.
Looked like unofficially 4-1-2-3 in the ninth and final at Gulfstream Concrete. Glory breaks on top, has to fight for the lead down the backstretch, puts away the other speed coming to the top of the stretch and kicks away for another very impressive win. Now gets, getting, I believe that is his sixth win from eight tries since being claimed for $6,250. Obviously, Safi Joseph and his team has done great with Concrete Glory, and he picks up another big check in the ninth and final at Gulfstream today. We'll get to those prices in just a little bit. Over at Oaklawn Park, 61 degrees. There are some showers in the area, but not raining at the moment. And the main track is still fast in Hot Springs, Arkansas, mile and a 16th is the distance uh, $30,000, the claiming tag. These are four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of three races lifetime. We've got a field of nine, couple of three-to-one shots on the board. Number two, Armagnac, a uh, former Bob Baffert trainee, now in the Riley Mott Barn, who is coming off back-to-back abysmal finishes in the mud his last two starts. If you can excuse his races for on off track, his previous tries when he was running on fast tracks with Bob Baffert training were good enough to make him a major player in this race. Number four, trigger happy for Norm Cassie and Ricardo Santana Jr. It's coming off a poor effort against starter allowance competition sprinting last time out. He is now uh, stretching out around two turns and more importantly, taking a huge drop in class. He has proven pretty strong in and around this condition claiming level in the past. So we'll see if the drop in class is enough to get Trigger Happy back either in the winner's circle or at least running a much better race. He is the second choice to the two Armagnac as they make their way into the starting gate. Last few runners going in, just waiting on the nine El Franco for Rocco Bowen. We'll send it out to Oaklawn and Matt Dinnerman. We're ready to go. And uh, Laroff, Phantom Ride broke sharply today. Armagnac put into play. Super Constitution prominent takes back. Guided Arrow in the mix, too. Guided Arrow and Armagnac square off in the first quarter mile. They're going at it, too. Contentious pace, speed battle. Guided Arrow inside. Armagnac takes a hold. Will sit on the tail of Guided Arrow, who leads the way by a touch more than a length. Armagnac left back to track in second. Outside of him, then the gray trigger happy with Phantom Ride. They race as a pair. They're three better than Deep State. El Franco second to last at Long Arrow. Can see them all down the back stretch. Eight legs from tip to tail is Guided Arrow. And Manny Esquivel lead the pack down the back stretch. A length in front of Armagnac and Christian Torres second. Super Constitution, City of Clouds. They're side by side third. Two lengths off the lead with a half mile to go. Trigger happy going pretty well down on the inside. Passing Phantom Ride, who's patiently Ridden. Phantom Ride now four or five behind turn. El Franco shaken up with Long Crow and Deep State drops to the back as they round the far turn. Armagnac calls it an afternoon. Guided Arrow still in front. Here's City of Clouds to put up a fresh challenge. Trigger Happy is following that rival. He's getting off the rail now. Trigger Happy in the third position coming off the turn and Phantom Ride's ready to go. There he goes four wide as Trigger Happy loses a position. He's in fourth. Needs to re-rally. Phantom Ride has taken a short lead. Guided Arrow retreats. So does City of Clouds. Now Trigger Happy finds the seam to come charging, and he's trying to get to Phantom Ride, who has a 16th to go, a two-like lead. Trigger Happy trying to get there, continues to plot away. Phantom Ride in front. Phantom Ride got it. Phantom Ride over. Trigger Happy, an unlucky loser in second. Long Crow battled on to be in the photo for third with Guided Arrow.
Unofficially 8-4 in a show photo between numbers 1 and 6 in the race over at Oaklawn Park. Once again, 8-4 uh, and a photo between numbers 1 and 6. Phantom Ride, Keith Asmussen for Steve Asmussen. Unofficial winners in the sixth race. We'll get you those prices in a bit. By the way, that was not us playing Depeche Mode in the background of that Oaklawn race. It was either the folks at Oaklawn Park or the track announcer at Oaklawn Park. I don't know. I don't know where that was coming from, but uh, if you're a fan of Depeche Mode, and especially the song People Are People, uh, well, you got a little uh, bonus coverage there during the running of that race at Oaklawn. That's, uh, I, I like it, but I don't like it. Let's hope that doesn't continue. Uh, okay, over at Fairgrounds, they're getting close to post time for the sixth race on their card. 64 degrees, showers in the area. It looks like now the rain has stopped, but as I mentioned, this is going to be on and off. Uh, basically all night. The main track is fast. They are off the turf already for the remainder of today's card. That does not bode well for tomorrow because it is supposed to continue on and off raining for roughly the next 18 hours. So I would plan to handicap those turf races to be off the turf tomorrow. I'm not, it's not definite, and obviously uh, I am not they who predict the weather. I'm just reading what they have predicted. Um, but anyway, they're off the turf today. The sixth race at Oaklawn is on the main track, condition-claiming event for fillies and mares, uh, non-winners of four races lifetime or non-winners of two races since August 16th of last year. Uh, the claiming price here, once again, is $30,000, and they have arrived at the starting gate for this race, a field of nine going to post in this race, pretty evenly matched crew here. Morning line favorite was number seven. One roll of the dice for Greg Foley and Brian Hernandez uh, failed as the six to five favorite at this level last time out was claimed away from Shane Wilson by Greg Foley. So going for the new barn today, looks like a very evenly matched field. After this race, we will head over to Aqueduct where they are about five minutes away from post time for the seventh race on their card. Then we'll get you some prices from everywhere. And looking back at Santa Anita, they're just in the paddock right now for the third race with about nine minutes to post there. So good spacing for the remainder of the races. Let's go out to fairgrounds for the sixth. And they're off. Fast start for Shelby. Right there is Yolanda Hu. Take Charge Woman on the far outside and Bally Dreamin' with the rail. Naughty Lottie is also part of the pursuit now of Shelby, who has the six-year-old speed to lead for C.J. McMahon, riding for a hat-trick of wins on the card. Shelby's quick in front of Bally Dreamin', Joel Rosario, and Yolanda Hu. In the Finn McCool Racing green cap, Naughty Lottie now threw into fourth. Take Charge Woman in fifth at the three-and-a-half. And then comes one roll of the dice. Sally surprised with the rail, two clear from Miss Tola, Tulsa and the trailer Brewhouse. The opening quarter in 21.98 seconds. Shelby's speeding. Shelby's in front, tackled by Bally Dreamin, who's making this bid now for Jaime Torres. Bally Dreamin up to take a short lead from Shelby, right there on the outside. As they straighten for home is Naughty Lati, father out Yolanda Hu. These Phillies and Mares have straightened away after a half. In 45.46, it's Naughty Lati who's taken the lead for Ben Curtis, one furlong away. It's Naughty Lati who has the kick, coming away now from toward the inside, Bally Dreamin, and then a running on one roll of the dice. They're close to home with Ben. It's Naughty Lati. Naughty Lati has won decisively by seven. Bally Dreamin second, and then Miss Tulsa and one roll of the dice. Unofficially 2-1 and a show photo between numbers 3 and 7 in the 6th race at Fairgrounds. Number 2, Naughty Lottie 
for Eduardo Ramirez and jockey Ben Curtis, fresh off the claim last time out and right back to the winner's circle. That's her third win from her last four starts. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. While we have a second, going to get you some prices out at Santa Anita for their second race. Second race at Santa Anita uh, was won by number five, Court Snort, a four-year-old Bay Philly by Stay Thirsty out of the Stravinsky Mare Friesland, owned by Matilda Powell and trained by Lenny Powell. Flavian Pratt uh, was the rider on Court Snort, who paid $4.240 and $2.10. Second two, Sand to Sea, $4.340. Third four, Sweet Hellos, $4.40 to show. Fourth number one, Satoshi. The exact is $7.60, the trifecta $38.40. Over at Gulfstream Park, ninth and final race on their Friday card was won by the favorite number four, Concrete Glory. He is a five-year-old Dark Bayer Brown gelding by Bodie Meister out of the Disco Rico Mare Take It Inside, owned by Big Frank Stable and trained by Safi Joseph Jr. Tyler Gaffleone, the winning rider on number four, Concrete Glory, who paid $360, and $240. Second one, Lightning Tones, seven dollars three forty. Third two, Thought, three twenty to show. Fourth number three, The Distractor, the Exacta paid twelve dollars. The Trifecta twenty three fifty. The Dollar Super one hundred seventy eight dollars and seventy cents. Uh, get you the prices from both Oaklawn and Fairgrounds in just a few minutes. Need to get out to Aqueduct though. Aqueduct forty one degrees, sunny skies right now. It's actually going to snow tonight. Uh, in Jamaica, Queens. But right now, the track is fast at Aqueduct. Distance here, six and a half furlongs for the seventh race, an optional claiming allowance event for New York-bred four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two other than or in for a claiming tag of $45,000. Scratch numbers five and ten. Nine to five favorite in the board is the entry, the one ten-cent town and one a big engine both uh, owned by Michael Dubb and trained by Rick Dutrow. Jose Gomez is on the one ten cent town, who's coming off a nice win against Ayo, the then competition last time out. Jose Lescano on Big Engine, who was claimed away from David Jacobson uh, for 25000 out of his most recent start, now stepping up onto this uh, allowance optional claiming level. He has run at this level several times in his career and ran pretty well at this level several times in his career. But the last time he was running uh, for in the allowance ranks was like uh, some, last summer, so August, September of last year. So he's been kind of roaming around the claiming waters for his last three or four starts and now jumping back up into the uh, the bigger fish pond, if you will, uh, with the move to the Rick Dutrow barn today. So Ten Cent Town Big Engine entry mates are the favorites as they make their way into the starting gate for this seventh race at Aqueduct. Here's Chris Griffin with the call. And they're off. We'll squeeze at the start there with Z-Bear, who's the early trailer. Ten Cent Town, right out to the front, it's Ten Cent Town, and there's What's Up Bro out wider is trying to join that leader. Gemography is in the red cap, is going to be four wide, as in between horses comes Don't Lose Cruise, is now going to take back to fourth. At the rail is Be the Boss, who's in fifth. It's a big gap of six already to the Institute, who's towards the tail end of the field there, with an oncoming Z-Bear, and now the trailer is Big Engine. 22 and three for the opening quarter mile. What's up, bro? is in front. It's What's Up Bro, who's up by a length and a half now. Call it two. Right there, still in second. It's going to be Ten Cent Town. Here comes the move from Gemography. The big long shot at 16 to 1. 
be the bosses. Weaving in between rivals just ran by. Don't lose Cruz, who's back to fifth. The Institute starts to rally on here, a ground-saving trip, and the Institute is making a big ground quickly, is now within six of the leaders. They reach the top of the stretch, though. Kendrick Carmouche, and what's up, bro? It's what's up, bro, who's up by two and a half lengths. Here comes the run from Tencent Town, is in the two-path and chasing. Gemography just kind of grinding away there up on the far outside. Be the boss. The Institute starts to stall a bit. Big engine from way out of it. What's up, bro is almost there. It's what's up, bro. Be the boss is the one with the only shot. But what's up, bro? What's up, bro? Wins today's seventh. What's up, bro? Wins it over. Be the boss. Then came Tencent Town. Big engine. In one minute, 20 seconds flat. Unofficially, 8-3-1, the top three finishers in the seventh race at Aqueduct. Number eight, what's up, bro, with jockey Kendrick Carmouche aboard uh, going all the way for the win. Back in the winner's circle, had won three races in a row before finishing second at this level last time out. Goes back into the Linda Rice barn and goes back to the winner's circle today. What's up, bro, at odds of 5-1, to one, the winner of the seventh race at Aqueduct. Over at Oaklawn Park, we owe you some prices for their sixth race. And let's see, have they been posted official yet? Yes, they have. And the winner was number eight, Phantom Ride. He is a four-year-old Bay Colt by Candy Ride out of the Indian Charlie Mare Spirit, owned by My Racehorse and Bloom Racing Stable, trained by Steve Asmussen. Keith Asmussen, the winning rider on Phantom Ride, who paid $14.40, $5.60, and $3.40. Second, number four, Trigger Happy, $4 and $3. Third, six, Long Crow, $2.60 to show. Fourth, number one, Guided Arrow, exact at $27.70. The Tri-44.70, Dollar Super, $590.00 and 60 cents over at fairgrounds results for their sixth race have been posted official number two naughty lottie the winner four-year-old dark bayer brown filly by midnight loot out of the desert party mare scarlet emerald owned by matt investments and trained by eduardo ramirez ben curtis the winning rider on number two naughty lottie 660 440 and three dollars second one bally dreaming 660 and 420 Third, three, Miss Tulsa, $3 to show. Fourth, number seven, one roll of the dice. The exacta paid, or rather, $16.90. The trifecta, $24.15. And the dollar super, $206.10. They're at the gate for the third race at Santa Anita. Six furlongs on the turf. Not the downhill turf course. That's about six and a half furlongs. This is at the, a proper six furlongs on the newer turf sprint course, the more conventional one that starts on the backstretch. They still cross the dirt. They just cross dirt earlier in the race. Um, six furlongs once again, $32,000 the claiming tag. These are fillies and mares uh, running the six furlong distance. Just a field of six going to post here. Current favorite on the board is number 14, Drama, for Steve Knapp and jockey Flavian Pratt. Teen Drama one going five furlongs on the turf at Santa Anita. Uh, for trainer Phil D'Amato at the $25,000 level last time out. Came from just off the pace to get up and win by a nose at odds of 3-5. to five, Was claimed away from Phil D'Amato by Steve Knapp, who wins at about an 18% clip, according to these uh, ultimate pass performances at brisnet.com, off the claim. So uh, strong numbers there for trainer Steve Knapp, probably about... Uh, one of his better categories is first off a claim and teen drama uh, stretching out from five to six furlongs. I don't know if that would uh, affect her or not. 
She's uh, good closing at five. Just because you're good closing at five doesn't necessarily mean that six hits you right between the eyes. And looking at her past performance, she's definitely run better at five furlongs than she has at six. Uh, But stepping up one level in class, I really don't think that's much of a difference. 25-32 when it comes to the claiming ranks at Santa Anita is basically the same level of runners. So uh, Flavian Pratt, who was aboard for her last win, stays aboard despite the barn change. And uh, Team Drama, one of the favorites going in. Late money coming in on number three, Stressed, who has been running against higher level claimers and allowance-type runners uh, most recently in her career. Big drop in class for the Pete Erton trainee, and she's got the other Santa Anita top rider, Juan Hernandez, aboard her. So the two heavies as far as the riding colony at Santa Anita, Flavi and Pratt, Juan Hernandez on the two favorites, Team Drama, and Stressed as they go in the gate. Stressed is going out for the early lead, battling in the opening furlong with Teen Drama. These two are three clear of new collection in third. Then Palio's Princess, Dulce Emma hesitated ever so slightly, and Awesome Taylor was off slowly and last. It's Stressed and Teen Drama, bucking heads to the half-mile pole. New collection is just behind them, two back in third, and Palio's Princess at the rail fourth. Awesome Taylor, Dulce Emma together at the back, Nine lengths off the battle between stressed and teen drama. It's stressed at the rail. Teen drama continues to press. Teen drama's just in front. New Collections had a good trip, if good enough, in third. Awesome Taylor is underway, racing on the outside of Palio's Princess. Top of the lane, Teen Drama just in front. Palio's Princess looking for room with the yellow blinkers, finding it now, but Teen Drama has opened up three. Palio's Princess on the inside, and New Collection followed by Awesome Taylor. It's Teen Drama, another for Flavian Pratt. Teen Drama wins convincingly. Second to Palio's Princess, New Collection, and Awesome Taylor. Unofficially 4-2-5-1 in the third race at Santa Anita. Number 14, Drama, back-to-back wins, both with Flavian and Pratt aboard, this time for the new barn, Steve Knapp, in the third race today at Santa Anita. Uh, as we opened the show, we heard the stretch run of the 2003 edition of the Jockey Club Gold Cup, won by the eventual horse of the year and champion older horse for 2003, Mineshaft. Overall, Mineshaft won 10 of his 18 career starts, made over $2.2 million in his career, and that Jockey Club Gold Cup was actually the final race in his illustrious career, and they have a nice stake named in his honor tomorrow out at the fairgrounds. It's a grade three race and a very evenly matched race tomorrow at fairgrounds. It's a, the, the mine shaft is a race that began as the whirl away back in the early 70s, and horses like Master Derby won the race, uh, Include won the race in the early 2000s, and uh, it, it's not a race that that uh, Mineshaft ever won, but he was successful when running at the fairgrounds, and it's nice that they have a race named in his honor, and uh, we've seen some pretty good ones over the last three or four years that have won this race, including Maxfield in 2021 and Olympiad back in 2022. All right, we are finally going to take our first break. When we come back, we owe you prices at Aqueduct. We'll get you paid at Santa Anita. We'll head back out to Fairgrounds and Oaklawn for more live action, betting with Bobby on HRRN. Remember the last time your family visited the forest? It's a place of wonder and imagination for the whole family, where stories come to life. 
and it's closer than you think. Ready to plan your next visit? Make the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Did you know half of all cats in the United States don't see a vet on a regular basis? Hi, I'm Kat Dennings, and I love cats. Like, really, really love them. Seriously. That's why I'm here to ask you to take your cat to the vet each and every year. I'm working with Royal Canin and Orphan Kitten Club in their program, Mighty Cat, the first grant program in the world to protect and care for newborn kittens. For the Take Your Cat to the Vet initiative, which encourages cat owners across the country to schedule annual vet visits. Since it's tricky to decode our cat's behavior, it is super important to collaborate with your veterinarian to uncover any potential illnesses and learn the signs that something could be wrong. As pet owners, it is our responsibility to make sure cats of all ages have a chance to live a full and happy life by providing the care they need and deserve. Visit orphankittenclub.org forward slash mighty cat to learn more. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Thursday evenings, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, is the brisnet.com call-in show. It's your chance to call in and let the Horse Racing Radio Nation know what's on your mind. Call us at 888-966-HRRN. That's 888-966-4776. And discuss the topics you choose in the world of thoroughbred racing. The brisnet.com call-in show. Sirius 162, XM207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Risen star with Eddie Delahousie. Jones the way by a length and a half. On the inside, it's the Philly. On the outside, Brian's time is coming on. A sixteenth of a mile to go. Risen star away from the rail. Brian's time with Cordero trying to close the gap. Winning colors third. Risen star wins the Preakness by a length. Brian's time came from far back to finish second. And the winner of the Kentucky Derby, the Philly winning colors, third under the wire. And the time, one minute, 56 and one-fifth seconds in the 88 Preakness. That, of course, is the voice of Dave Johnson back in 1988. The call of the Preakness Stakes won by Louis Russell trained Risen Star. Star would go on to be the champion three-year-old cold of 1988. After running third in the Kentucky Derby, he'd not only win the Preakness and win the Belmont Stakes overall, he was never out of the money in 11 career tries, eight wins, two seconds, and one third-place finish. And that win in the Belmont was the final race of his illustrious career. He banked uh, just over $2 million in his career. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Of course, tomorrow is Risen Star Day at Fairgrounds. They've got six stakes on tap tomorrow at Fairgrounds, but the biggest one is the Risen Star, a grade two event for the three-year-olds going a mile and an eighth. It is a uh, points qualifier on the road to this year's Kentucky Derby, and the winner of the Risen Star gets 50 Kentucky Derby qualifying points, and if you've been following the points uh, qualifying system over the last few years, you know that 50 points far and away is enough 
to get into the first starting gate the first Saturday in May, which basically says means that tomorrow's Risen Star is a win in your in race for the Kentucky Derby. You can win the Risen Star, do nothing else in March or in April, and you are going to be in the starting gate if you want to be uh, for the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in May. The Risen Star Stakes uh, is a race that uh, was originally known as the Louisiana Derby Trial Stakes when uh, it debuted in the early to mid-70s. And um, Risen Star won it in 1988 uh, in route to uh, going on and having success in the Triple Crown races. And starting in 1989, they renamed the race in Risen Star's honor. There have been some really, really good horses over the years that have won the race. And, uh, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, Lawyer Ron won the race, Notional Mucho Macho Man, Gunrunner won the race in 2016. I think Gervin won it the following year, War of Will, who, of course, went on to win the Preakness, won the race, Mandaloon won the Risen Star, and um, he didn't cross the wire first in the Kentucky Derby, uh, but he did end up winning the Kentucky Derby after this disqualification of Medina Spirit, Epicenter, Angel of Empire, winning the last few years. Ah, This year's edition of the Risen Star, in my mind, is one of the stronger editions that we've seen in a while. And I'm not not saying that necessarily, um, you know, that these horses are Mandaloon or Epicenter or Gunrunner or whatever, but there are like four or five of them that I think are high-quality we can start dreaming about running in the Kentucky Derby type horses. And yes, I mean, everyone dreams of winning in the Kentucky Derby. But you know you know what I'm saying? I just think that there, this is a power-packed field. There are a lot of horses that you can make a case for in this race. And by the way, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this race, but um, they've got Kentucky Derby, Ken, yeah, easy for me to say, Kentucky Derby Future Book Pool, number four underway it opened at noon today and it goes to 6 p.m sunday night um and i have the odds in front of me and i'll, I'll get those to you but i'm going to tell you this if you're thinking about playing this pool there's no reason to bet it today why not wait until after the risen star tomorrow and maybe even if you want uh after the sunland derby on sunday if you think that you know that's a race that's going to affect things uh, because I have a feeling that if somebody wins the Risen Star impressively tomorrow, that horse will be the favorite, the individual favorite in pool number four. Um, that's how wide open I think it is right now. Uh, okay, owe you some prices from both Aqueduct and from Santa Anita. We'll start at Aqueduct with the seventh race on the card, went to number eight, What's Up Bro? Third, uh, he is a four-year-old Bay Gelding by Dialed In out of the Harlan's Holiday Mare Lady on Holiday, owned by Alpha Phi Delta Racing and trained by Linda Rice. Kendrick Carmouche, running rider, winning rider. Easy for me to say. What's up, bro? Thirteen forty-six seventy-four dollars. Second three, be the boss. Five ten two sixty. Third one, ten cent down. Two thirty to show. Fourth was the entry mate won a big engine. Fifth number nine gemography exact at thirty dollars. Trifecta thirty four twenty five dollar super combination of eight three one nine paid three hundred sixty four dollars and fifty cents. Over at Santa Anita, results of their third race have been posted official, and the winner was number fourteen drama a five year old bay mare by Bayern out of the reformer rally mare big time girl owned by Rex Racing and trained by Steve Knapp. With top jock Flavian Pratt aboard. 
Teen Drama, 743-360-260. Second, two, Palio's Princess, 380-260. Third, five, New Collection, 260 to show. Fourth, number one, Awesome Taylor. The Exacta paid 10 bucks. The Tri, 3670 Super, $293.70. Um, Want to let it remind everybody, we're going to be talking with Nick Tamaro. He is the track announcer at Sam Houston. They've got a huge stakes card tomorrow down in Houston, Texas. It's Texas Preview Day, and he's going to be joining us, oh, about 15 minutes from now uh, to preview some of those big races at Sam Houston. Nick Tamaro's sharp guy, not only a good race announcer, believe he is now the morning line maker at least it, i don't know if he does it for every breeders cup but i know he has done it he did it a, f- a few years ago at keeneland he was the morning line maker definitely the year they had the breeders cup at keeneland i don't know if he does them when they're in california i don't, I don't know if that's a breeders cup person that's hired for that or if they, they take whoever's doing it for the tracks. But he's obviously a very good handicapper, and he has a very good opinion, and uh, looking forward to speaking with him right near the top of the hour. Let's get out to the track for some live action, though. Seventh race on the card at the fairgrounds, a race that was supposed to be on the turf. It is now five and a half furlongs on the main track. Optional claiming allowance event for three-year-olds that are non-winners of one other than or in for a claiming tag of $100,000. Scratch number five, Smokey, uh, Smokey, Smokey. C.J. McMahon picks up the mount on number three, Classic Power. Of course, this race takes different shape with the move over to the main track, but the odds wouldn't tell you that. Number five, Committee of One, who was five to two on the morning line, has raced five times in his career, all of the races on the turf. This race moved over to the main track, and he is the seven to five favorite. See, now I can't live with that. Can't live with that. This horse can win. And that's five. If I if I if I miss out on a seven to five shot, who people are betting off turf form, trying dirt for the first time, I'm I'm going to move on with a smile on my face, like nothing happened to me. But this seems like a horse that should not be this low of a price. Now number six works for me is also three to two in the wagering, and he has something that committee of one doesn't have, and that is dirt experience. In fact. He has run on dirt five of the six races in his career, and he's hit the board in four of those five races, including both of his lifetime wins. One of them was this, the uh, New York bred restricted notebook stakes at Aqueduct back in mid-November. So he is a New York bred facing his elders today, um, obviously going from restricted race to a non-restricted race no matter what it is. Uh, generally is a tougher spot, um, but he's run well on dirt. And Committee of One, we don't know anything about him. I mean, he works on dirt. His works are never fast. I mean, they're half miles and 50 and change, you know, three furlongs and 37 or 38. Nothing, you know, not awful, but nothing that you'd say, ooh, I can't wait to see him run on the dirt. Three to two, too low. Let him win. Let him win. It ain't going to be with me. Um, number two, Gabara is the third choice in the wagering at 9-2. to two. Uh, Ran a very good third on the turf last time out. Uh, previous two tries on dirt were awful. Actually broke Maiden on the dirt at Charlestown. I don't know what that means. You know, I don't, I don't know how to figure horse that wins uh, one of those four-and-a-half furlong one-turn Charlestown races, you know, in – 
I'll, I'll tell you this. Somebody told me this a long time ago when I first uh, became a racing fan in Southern California. Of course, back then, uh, Pomona was part of the surf- circuit in Southern California, or you may know it as Fairplex Park. It is no longer there. I mean, it exists, but they don't have racing anymore. It's part of the L.A. County Fairgrounds in Pomona. But it was a five-eighths-mile five track. And uh, somebody a long time ago, and it, it's turned out to be right, said that, Horses who rel- run well on the dirt bull rings, four and five furlong tracks, tend to run well on turf and vice versa. The turf horses run well on the dirt bull rings. Um, it's, it doesn't make a case for Gabara. It just means it doesn't surprise me that Gabara's run well on turf and on a dirt bull ring. So they've arrived at the starting gate at Fairgrounds. After this race, we are going to go to Oaklawn Park. They're just a minute or two away from post time there. Um, they've just been kind of uh, taking their time at Fairgrounds, which kind of stinks for us because we don't want them to run right on top of Oaklawn. This is a tough day to stay off of everybody. You know, at, at one time today, Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Aqueduct, Oaklawn, and Fairgrounds were all racing. And although they, I'm sure they don't want to run on top of each other, it's hard to keep them off each other when there's five big, five gorillas in the room running. Now, Gulfstream's done for the day, but the other four still have live racing. Uh, let's hope that they can stay off each other at least a little bit. We've got two more left to load for this seventh race at Fairgrounds, the seven sponge bath. Ooh, that sounds nice. And number eight, scat free. I'm not going to say anything about that one. Let's go to John Dooley for the call of the seventh. Classic Power was going for an early attack. Gabara Classic Power and Drumania with the red blinkers. Works for me in the light blue and Scat Free now turns on the speed on the outside. And there's Scat Free for J.A. Guerrero to take the lead past the half mile from Gabara along with Classic Power. Works for me in the clear and Drumania in tight quarters as Corey Lannery took back off of heels with Drumania. Three furlongs to go and Scaffrey has dashed away to a three length lead. Then comes Committee of One and on the outside is Sponge Bath who trails as these three rolls turn for home aiming for Scaffrey. Scaffrey, the quarter 22.26. Scaffrey spins them in. Works for me now charging for Marcelino Pedroza Jr. Gabara's right there battling toward the inside. Here's Drumania who's coming through. Committee. Of one, charging hard on the far outside. It's Scatfree who's surrounded. Drumania punches through. Works for me. Gabara needs a spot. And here's Committee of One who's storming up on the outside for Joel Rosario. Committee of One and Drumania. Drumania for Corey Vannery. Drumania strikes at 14 to 1, holding the hard charge of Committee of One. And then Gabara with Scatfree and works for me in the sprint. Unofficially 1-5 in a show photo. Pretty tight for the win as well, but looked like number one, Drew Mania, holding off the favorite committee of one to get the job done in the seventh race at Fairgrounds. Oaklawn Park arriving at the starting gate for their seventh race. Maiden special weight event for the three-year-old sprinting six furlongs. Wow, the purse is $115,000. Field of 10 going to post in this race. Number eight, Orange Diablo for... 
Brad Cox and Christian Torres, the 6-5 to five favorite right now on the board. 0-3 in his career coming into this race today. Uh, has lost at odds, uh, or actually won his debut by four and a half lengths, but was placed second via disqualification and then was narrowly defeated at odds of 3-5 to five and 3-5 to five respectively in his last two starts. So if you're betting on Orange Diablo, you're wanting to throw things at the wall uh, in his last three starts. When you think you won, you lost. And then the last two times he's run well, but not well enough to win. And now you're going to have to take a short price once again, six to five on this son of Union Rags, who is shortening up from a mile back to six furlongs. He's run well sprinting. He's run well routing. I don't think the distance is going to make much of a difference. We'll just see if somebody can jump up with a lot of improvement to uh, maybe uh, give Orange Diablo some trouble once again today. They are at the starting gate, loading quickly for this seventh race on the card. Here's number four, uh, Ronaldinho, first-time starter for Pete Miller with fast works at San Luis Ray Downs. Last one in, here's Oakland seventh. Ronaldinho has got in, two back. Top Gun Rocket. Major back to the outside. We're ready to go. And uh, Laroff. Major Mack on the far outside broke very sharply. Ronaldinho up close. Braven sent along for early speed. Those three across the track down the back stretch with a wall of runners right behind. They pretty much line up. World Fair takes the fourth position. Going to be all right is next. And a little bit of a tight spot. Now he finds some room to move forward. Also Henro's there. Braven getting shuffled to the back of the field with ride for Solid. Uh, going to be all right is now uh, being pulled up. That's going to be all right pulled up and unseated the rider Harry Hernandez so an incident there around the turn coming back to the leaders here Major Mack is the pacemaker World Fair a neck behind in second he's a length and a half in front of Henro shaken up from third Ronaldinho fourth two behind then Orange Diablo Top Gun Rocket as they come to the top of the stretch here Henro off the turn, trying to put away all the challengers, has passed Major back. Ronaldinho third, World Fair back and fourth. It's Henro coming to the 16th pole. Inside Major Max coming back at him. Major Mack, Henro, Henro with a head lead. Major Mack second. Henro close to the line. Henro wins it over Major Mack. Ronaldinho and fourth was ride for Seoul. All right, unofficially 7-10-4 in the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. Number seven, Henro working for the weekend, getting the job done in the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. Uh, I am not savvy on this, but uh, first of all, I'm not sure if the folks at Oaklawn Park know that they're playing live music during the races. And secondly, uh, I'm not sure if we're allowed to play that kind of music during the races. And, and so... Uh, it may affect whether or not we cover Oaklawn Park going forward. Um, it's unfortunate. I think they're just somebody is asleep at the wheel at Oaklawn Park, and they don't realize what's going on, and that's bad news uh, for us. And it, it's it's just amateur hour to begin with. Not that I dislike the songs. I got no problem with the songs they're playing. Um, I don't think um, it, you know that's fine for between races, maybe on track only. I don't think we need to hear that. That's uh, that's ridiculous. 
All right. Uh, we owe you some prices at Fairgrounds. We'll get you paid at Oaklawn Park in a little bit. Uh, they're about three minutes away from post time for the finale at Aqueduct. We're about six minutes away at Santa Anita. After the Santa Anita race, uh, we're going to go out to Sam Houston and talk with Nick Tamaro. He is the track announcer at Sam Houston Race Park. They've got a big stakes card tomorrow, and we are going to pick his brain on uh, Texas Preview Day. But first things first, we've got some live action coming up at Aqueduct. Eighth race, eighth and final race on the Aqueduct card is just two minutes away. Seven furlongs on the fast main track. Four-year-olds and up non-winners of two races lifetime. They're in for a claiming tag of $40,000. Scratch numbers seven, eight, and nine. And uh, I have no idea who's going to be favored here. We've got three horses that are three to one right now. One horse that's five to two in the wagering. Um, boy, a lot of different ways you can go in this race. Uh, so while we're waiting for this race to go, you know what? Let's see if we can get some prices in for the fairgrounds race that ran just a few minutes ago. Are those prices up? Yes, they are. Seventh race on the card at fairgrounds went to a number one Drew Mania. Three-year-old Bay Gelding by St. Patrick's Day out of the Big Beast Mare, Cowgirl Lass, owned by Norman Stables and trained by Lonnie Briley. Corey Lannery, the winning rider on Drew Mania, who paid $31.60, $11.80, and $7. Second five, Committee of One, $464. Third eight, Scat Free, $820 to show. Fourth number six works for me. Exact to $6220. The try, $410.15. Dollar Super, $2,722.70. Over at Oaklawn, unofficial top four is 71041. But there's an inquiry on the board, and I have no idea what the inquiry involves. They're not flashing any numbers right now. There's just a sign that says inquiry, which is a little bit of a pain in the butt. So maybe the folks who are supposed to flash the numbers at Oaklawn are the ones who have not figured out how to turn the music off during the races. Ah, they're having such a fun time out there. It doesn't matter what we think. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how unprofessional it looks or sounds. And by the way, the inquiry sign has come down. So we don't know what the inquiry... Oh, you know what it was? There was a horse at the back of the pack that was 50 yards behind the field uh, that you heard in the call uh, unseating the rider down the backstretch. That has to be what it was. And but there was no one near that horse. So that's, that must be what the inquiry was. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, rider's getting off, and it looks like they're... A, Going to go official shortly at Oakland. Meanwhile, back at Aqueduct, they're at the starting gate and loading in for this eighth and final race. Here's Chris Griffin. And they're Bobby the Tank breaks well from in between horses, and here comes Best Bet. Best Bet wants to be up with the speed, is now a neck in front. At the rail here is Quick Hammer, who's trying to keep up with this early leader. Thank you, John, is out wider. Those three up top as G. Munning is up on the far outside, is in fourth and splitting rivals now. That's mandatory. That's the leading five. They are two in front of Batuta Doro. Ruben Silvera making up some ground with Bobby the Tank, who broke on top but is dropping back through the field now. Gets passed to the outside by Magianera. As they move towards that far turn, 22-4 and four for that opening quarter mile. It's best bet the target. Best bet is in front. Thank you, John. Is in pursuit is within a neck of the leader. Mandatory. Dylan Davis just easily tracking right in behind those two leaders right now 
tucked in third, just waiting for the seam, and here it comes. It's still best bet to the inside. Here comes the move from Thank You, John, and now tipping towards the outside. It's mandatory with a three-wide move. 46-3, and three, the half-mile time. They reach a quarter-mile left to go. Mandatory now gets the cue, and mandatory kicks away. It's mandatory who's opening up on the field now. Best bet is now back to third. Gets passed by Thank You, John. Far, far back to the rest. A quick look back. Dylan Davis, mandatory. They are seven lengths in front inside the final 16th. It is all mandatory. Mandatory will get the win. Mandatory wins the finale. That comes Magianera up for second. Best bet. And thank you, John. In one minute, 24 and full. Looked like unofficially 2-11-3 in the eighth and final race over at Aqueduct. Number two, mandatory. Dylan Davis aboard the John Kimmel trainee, getting the job done in a big way. He was coming out of starter allowance races, uh, basically his last six starts, so dropping in for a tag today. And uh, they've said it time and time again, the best hop is the drop, and it worked out pretty well for mandatory, who ran up the score at odds of 7-2. to two. At Aqueduct, we'll get you those prices in a little bit. Over at Santa Anita, they're approaching the starting gate for the fourth race on the card. Uh, this is a uh, maiden optional claiming event. It's a maiden special weight event for three-year-old fillies uh, that have started for a claiming tag or were reserved not attained or sold at auction for $150,000 or less. Or you can be in for, in for a claiming tag of $62,500. So basically, it's like a... Uh, an A minus B plus maiden special weight kind of a race. They're keeping all the big money runners out of this race unless they want to be in for the claiming tag. Distance here is six furlongs, field of seven. Number one, Pacific Rose, who is 0 for 5 and has never hit the board in her career, is 6 to 5 on the board. Um, I'm going to say that she has been ambitiously placed. Not only been running against maiden special weight competition, which She's not running badly against them, but she's run as a maiden in the grade two chandelier against Chatelas and others. Only got beat two and a half lengths there. She ran in the grade two uh, starlet, formerly known as the Hollywood starlet at Los Al last time out, and she was handily beaten there. Um, now in this not quite maiden special weight type of a race, a, an A minus B plus made in a special weight type of a race, and uh, fans seem to think that uh, the races she's been running are good enough to make her the one to beat. Uh, you just have to take a shortest price, 7-5 to five right now on the board. Second choice is Avoir, A-V-O-I-R, Avoir, for Pete Miller and Juan Hernandez. Four career tries on turf against made in a special weight competition, and all four of them were pretty good efforts. Now tries dirt for the first time, gets Lasix for the first time, gets Blinkers back on. She did run with Blinkers the first two times in her career. And uh, we'll see how she does moving over to the main track. After this race at Santa Anita, we will be joined by Nick Tamaro live from Sam Houston to talk about the big races that they've coming up, got coming up this weekend. Uh, by the way, over at Aqueduct, they posted 2-11-3 and 1-A as the unofficial top four finishers in that race. Uh, okay, they have made the turn at Santa Anita and they are working their way to the starting gate right now. Six to five on the board for Pacific Rose. Five to two on number four of Wa. By the way, I mentioned earlier uh, the uh, 
Kentucky Derby future book bet number four. As of now, the all other three-year-olds category is favored at seven to two, up from two to one on the morning line. Um, of course, you don't get the Baffert horses even as a possibility right now. The previous Kentucky Derby future pools, the all other three-year-olds, I think a lot of people, myself included, probably thought that horses like Nisos would eventually uh, move to a different barn and be eligible to run, but they didn't do that. They're not eligible to run, so as of now, doesn't look like any of those Baffert runners are going to run. The favorite of the individual runners is the Remsen winner, Dornick. He is 9-1 to one right now. There's very little money in the pool. So, uh, as I said, I, I wouldn't be betting this today. I'd wait and see what happens in the Risen Star and possibly even the Sunland Derby if you think that that race is going to be a factor. Last view going in at Santa Anita. Here's Frank on the mic. Avoir broke well. Queen Gervin hustled hard on the far outside, showing some early interest. And in between them, Pace Lane is up close, too. Here's Pacific Rose coming through along the rail, along with Ange and Ash. And those two now battling with Avoir for the lead. Pace Lane fourth, Queen Gervin fifth, three clear of Petite Ange and Criticism, five off the leaders. Past a half-mile pole. It's Avoir on the outside, Pacific Rose, Ange and Ash in between. Queen Gervin, three back in third. Followed at the rail by Petite Ange, who's only three or four lengths off the lead. Criticism is trying to make up some ground from the back of the field. They're a quarter of a mile from home. The battle continues. Avoir now starting to try and shake loose three quarters of a length to Anjan Ashen second. They're followed by Pace Lane in the center. There's a seam for Petite Anjus coming down at the rail. Pacific Rose final furlong on the inside. Pacific Rose rests a narrow lead away from Avoir. Continued rally for Petite Ange. Petite Ange coming after Pacific Rose outside Pace Lane. It will be Pacific Rose. Another for Frey Sue. Tight photo between Petite Ange and Pace Lane. Criticism was on the scene late battling with Avoir. Well, the favorite gets the job done in the fourth race at Santa Anita. The, the hop was the drop, if you will. And even though this is technically a maiden special weight type of a race, uh, not the same type of level race that Pacific Rose had been running in the first five starts of her career. Not the fastest six furlong race we're ever going to see, but it doesn't matter. It still pays the same. And Pacific Rose getting the maiden win this afternoon and getting the winner's share of the $40,000 purse. She goes off as the 6-5 to five favorite in the fourth race at Santa Anita. Covers the six furlongs in 112 flat. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. All right, we are going to head out to the phones right now and out to Houston, Texas. Sam Houston Race Park, our good friend Nick Tamaro, the track announcer at Sam Houston on the eve of a big day of racing there at Sam Houston, Nick. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Great to be back with you, Bobby. Well, pleasure's all mine. Well, we love the racing at Sam Houston. I wish that more of us got to watch it and wager on it on a regular basis, but uh, that is certainly uh, not your doing right now with uh, uh, the ongoing fun stuff between Texas and Heisa. Nevertheless, a fun day of racing tomorrow at Sam Houston, Texas Preview Day. Five stakes in all that make up an all-stakes pick, five races, six through ten. Exactly, yeah. It's sort of a case of if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did it actually fall, right? I guarantee you we are going to race. We're going to have a, a nice card for Texas Preview Day, which is our prep day for Texas Champions Day that comes up in, uh, in March. And uh, one of the new things we're doing this year 
in terms of the races themselves is that we had a we had a stake that we ran the last few years that was called the H-Town, and it's been renamed the David Hooper. David Hooper was the longtime executive director of the Texas Thoroughbred Association, so we're really excited about that. He unfortunately passed away last year, but uh, the uh, racing office decided to rename the, the race in his honor, so that's, uh, that's going to be very, very nice. I think some of his family is going to be in as well, and, and that goes along with four other stakes races. And really, Bobby, the thing that sticks out in looking at these races is the quality of the Texas bread program. It really has risen dramatically in recent years. And, and we've got a, a horse in one of the stakes races trained by Mike maker. We've got a lot of our local connections that are pretty well represented also. So it ends up making these state bread races are often a lot of fun. And, and I think our day tomorrow is no exception. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you something about Dave Hooper that you may not have known. Um, so Dave Hooper, before he, he did great work in Texas for the Texas Thoroughbred Association, and he was a steward at many venues for many, many years. Uh, but for several years, he was the head of the racetrack industry program at the University of Arizona. And he actually got to the program when I was a student there. He wasn't the, the, the head guy right away. He was kind of the second or third in command, ended up rising up to, to be the uh, the director or whatever it's called of the program. But we knew we liked Dave right away because the first, the very first weekend that he was in Arizona, we saw him at the race book in Nogales, Mexico, across the border, about an hour, hour and a half south of Tucson that weekend with a racing form in hand, handicapping and betting the races. And that was where those of us who were degenerate-type students would go uh, at the time. And we looked at each other and said, we like this guy immediately. That, that, is, that is my kind of guy. I didn't know if there would be a better, a better story between you and I about being a degenerate than me telling you that my dad used to rush me to Sam Houston for the simulcast so that we could get there for the first from Calder. And I remember vividly in 1999 watching Calder and seeing you handicapped until Saltzman called the races. But I think that actually takes the cake. So, no, I, I did a, a five-minute voiceover for a video about Dave and learning a little bit about him and reading through some of, his, some of the things he accomplished. I mean, he really was a jack-of-all-trades. He was, he was very, very accomplished in racing. So it's nice that we're going to get to honor him. And, yeah, definitely our kind of guy, right, if you're sending it in a Nogales uh, racing form in hand, firing away. Yeah, and let me, a real quick thing about Nogales. This is a place that they would write out the tickets and then kind of print them and give you the top copy, and they'd keep the bottom copy. Uh, A lot of times they didn't have racing forms for sale, so they'd have community racing forms that people would share. And if they didn't have the races on TV, they would come out and, after the race was official, write the results on a chalkboard using chalk that, when they started, would appear like they were writing nothing and then would magically, like the ink, the not ink, but the chalk would appear. It started as like, it was disappearing chalk, but for reverse. It would start as nothing and then turn out to something. And you would hope that they were circling the horse that you bet at Aqueduct or at Gulfstream or at Santa Anita or whatever it was. For, for all I know, they could have been lying to us the whole time. We, we have no idea. And this, of course, was before uh, you know, internet and all that stuff was going on. But the Dave Hooper Stakes is a fantastic race with horses like Dustin and Mr. Moneybags in the race. How did you see that one? Yeah, it really is incredible. It's a great running of the uh, the first edition of it. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, those are the two principles. Dustin comes in off a good uh, allowance win last time out. And fortunately, Karen Jacks, 
who trains dust and was able to get a prep into him where Mr. Moneybags uh, is, is at a bit of a disadvantage, not only breaking from the rail, but also without a prior 2024 start. I mean, tactically, I think Mr. Moneybags has a little bit of an edge because I do think from the rail, they'll just have to go and try and establish themselves on the front end. I think he's a better horse when he gets the lead. Dustin is really geared more towards a route, and, and I think it's, it's the star of Texas that they probably really covet with Dustin, which is the stake race that we run on Texas Champions Day next month at a mile. So he'll, he'll really be tough to beat in there. He's a bit more of a true router. And if you watch the replay of his allowance race, you'll notice that Lindy Wade is getting after him a little bit uh, between the half-mile and three-eighths pole. And, and he eventually kicks in and, and starts to you know, assert himself coming off the turn. But truthfully, he's at his best really going a little bit longer. So you know, if Mr. Moneybag is able to get out there and get loose, I think he could, he could maybe spring an upset. Uh, too much action was a good second behind Dustin last time. I actually picked him second to Dustin. He got blocked a little bit coming off the turn, but ended up getting a run through between horses and finished a good second. He upset Mr. Moneybags last year in the spirit of Texas and is now in the care of J.R. Caldwell, who's a longtime Texas horseman, recently got his 1,000th win at Sam Houston a couple of weeks ago. So I think Dustin will be pretty tough, but undoubtedly it is a terrific addition to the race. Nick, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, certainly love the racing at Sam Houston. Before I let you go, uh, one thing that you've done that most people will never get a chance to do is make the morning line for the Breeders' Cup. What kind of pressure is there on you when you have that responsibility? <laughs> yeah, it is, it's an arduous task, no doubt about it. I remember I, I, was, I started making the morning line when the pre-entries came out, and I sat down on Sunday night when the entry day was Monday I sat down at about 8 o'clock at night, and I think I went to bed at 3, making sure that I had gotten all of my work done. But it was, you know, Bobby, to be honest with you, it's actually a lot harder to make a regular Keeneland morning line. And most of the people who, who have opined on my work on Twitter would say that I do struggle with it plenty. But, um, you know, knowing a lot of those horses was really not all that bad. It's just so many quality animals getting together and trying to sort out how the public may handle them. But it was a lot of fun, and, and um, I'd, I'd love to get the opportunity to do it again. I don't think I embarrassed myself too terribly. But, yeah, of all the things I've done in racing, it definitely felt like the one where I applied the most pressure to myself. I, I, think, it, I think it made calling races look like, uh, like something like a walk in the park. Well, we appreciate the work you're doing, my friend, and uh, love listening to your calls at Sam Houston. Have a fun day tomorrow, and uh, looking forward to the big day coming up about a month from now. Thank you so much, my friend. Looking forward to it as well. Thanks for having me. All right, Nick Tamaro, the track announcer at Sam Houston. They've got Texas preview day tomorrow there at Sam Houston. All right, got to take a break. So we're going to leave right now. Betting with Bobby, HRRN. We've got more live racing to come after the break. Cheek and STEM, a message brought to you by the Ad Council. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Kelly Clarkson, and as the daughter of a school teacher, I know just how important education is. No matter how old you are or your situation, continuing to learn will enrich your life and help remove barriers you didn't even know were there. So much opportunity, y'all. Whether it's a foreign language, history, or a different way to look at things, take some time each day to learn something new. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. 
HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. They get to the top of the stretch, and it's a firm success from Iron Punch by one length. And with the half and 46 seconds flat, center of the track is Black Cash running along in third, and Young at Heart is in fourth, coming toward the final furlong, and it is a firm success. A firm success now. Rouse just a little bit. Young at Heart going to try to make a race of it late. A firm success. Young at Heart closing the gap on the outside. Young at Heart is coming in. A firm success. A firm success. Young at Heart in bed. A firm success. Young at Heart in bed. Dave Rodman, back in 2000, the grade three General George won by a firm success. This year's General George takes place tomorrow out at Laurel. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we head towards our Amwager Weekend Stakes preview, which is from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight and every Friday night from 6 to at 6 o'clock. Bob Nastanovich going to join me to discuss 12 races from around the country this weekend, including a couple of big preps on the road to this year's Kentucky Derby at uh, Fairgrounds, the Risen Star, at Sunland Park, the Sunland Derby. Out to Fairgrounds we go. They're at the gate for race number eight. These are maiden three-year-old fillies in for a $15,000 tag. They're going to sprint six furlongs on the main track, scratch numbers 10 and 11. It's not raining now at Fairgrounds, but as I mentioned, it's kind of going to be off and on rain all night and throughout the morning until about 11 a.m. or noon, according to what they, in parentheses, in quotes, I should say, they say, they who get paid to predict these things. So uh, if you're handicapping tomorrow's big card at Fairgrounds, you may want to just in case... Uh, looking, look and see if the turf races come off the turf. Today's races already did come off the turf. There's a chance the main track could be less than fast if they get as much rain as uh, they are expecting to get. Uh, last few runners going in. We'll, uh, waiting for number eight, Hard Exit, a first-time starter for trainer Al Stahl Jr. Uh, to go into post eight. Wakia. to the outside gate. John Dooley on the call at Fairgrounds. Post time tomorrow. At noon central. In the gate. And they're off. There's controlled temper who fires out. Jilly's West with good speed from the rail. Right there is the newcomer. Keep them safe as they go up the back. And it's Jilly's West. Jilly's West just leads with the rail for Yoel Navas. Pressed by. Keep them safe and Wekia starts a bid. Keep them safe in the blue cap is now running in third as Wekia pressures Jilly's West past the half mile. Control temper broke sharp now running in fourth. It's a break of six more. Two two tourist is next at the three and a half. Maylen toward the rail while racing three clear from Jocelyn along with hard exit and Sweet Marin trails here in the Friday finale where Jilly's West narrowly leads Wekia toward the quarter pole. The lead part 21.80 as they come toward the top of the stretch. 
Wekia, Jilly's pass toward the inside, and controlled tempers circling now. As these maiden three-year-old fillies head for home, keep them safe with the rail, and then Maylen and hard exit. Half mile in 45.73, and there's controlled temper, who's taken the top for James Graham. Controlled temper is racing away from on the outside, Wekia. Maylen is running on between fillies. Jilly's West led, but has dropped back, and then hard exit, and keep them safe, dropped away. Controlled temper. Controlled temper, one by eight. Maylen was second, Wekia third, and hard exit finished fourth. Unofficially, four, seven, nine, eight in the finale at Fairgrounds. Control Temper been running against much better competition. Was 0 for 7 coming into the race today, but gets the job done in race 8 at the Fairgrounds. Prices in for the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. Number 7, Henro getting the win. A three-year-old chestnut gelding by Collected out of the Street Cry Mare Street Minstrel. Owned by J.D. Thoroughbreds trained by, and Jody Keith Davis, I should say. Trained by Chris Hartman, ridden by Joseph Bielmer. Uh, Henro paid thirteen eighty six sixty and three sixty. Second ten major Mac twenty dollars nine sixty. Third four Ronaldinho five sixty to show. Fourth number one ride for Sewell. The exacta eighty five fifty. The try two hundred eighty six dollars forty cents. The dollar super six thousand one hundred forty four dollars ten cents. We'll get you some more prices in just a little bit. They're almost at the starting gate for race eight at Oaklawn Park. Six furlongs the distance. It's a starter allowance event for four year olds and up. Scratch number five, R Doc would have been a big long shot in the field. Field of ten going to post in this race. Uh, slight favorite on the board right now at five to two is number four, Junior Bug for Tom Van Berg and Francisco Arietta. Uh, Junior Bug coming off, uh, what is that, six straight second or third place finishes, all just about all of them at this same starter allowance level. So the quintessential been knocking on the door type of a horse. Uh, do you like betting these horses? Does it get to a point where you just say, listen, I this horse just doesn't, you know, he can win, but it ain't for me. He's going to be over bet because he always seems to run well. Um, but he's too, it, it makes too much sense. Um, are, are, or are you somebody who just says, oh, I'm just going to hammer this horse second and third in the tries and hope he gets beat again. Second choice in the wagerings all the way on the outside, 11, eternally grateful for Scott Becker and Luis Fuentes. Tried allowance competition at Oaklawn last time, Park, and ran well. Only got beat three-quarters of a length. Now back in a starter allowance race, you would think – this would be an easier spot. Now, I think that Francisco Arietta, who's ridden both of these, would have had his choice in here, and it looks like he chose the four. And they kind of look like they're about equal. You're getting a better price maybe on the 11 because of Luis Fuentes, who uh, overall doesn't win as many races at Oaklawn as Francisco Arietta does. And, you know, going back to what our caller said earlier today when Paul from California called, you know, he would he would 100% be on number four over the 11 in this race if if he liked those horses, if it was between those two horses, figuring that the rider had the choice. Uh, Francisco Arietta may be having the choice between Junior Bug and 11 Eternally Grateful, and that's very much could be the case. Uh, number, 11, uh, number nine, Burnin' Hunk of Love, for Carl Broberg and Julian Leperu is also getting some play. Nine to two on the board right now. Uh, one at the starter allowance level, two starts back, and then uh, ran poorly against this level last time out as the eight to five favorite. He's a horse who really wants to be either on the lead or very close to the lead. 
And uh, last time out, he just didn't have it. He on a sloppy track, getting back to a fast track. Maybe that's the key for Bernan Hunk of Love. Maybe he's a horse that's just way better on dry surfaces than he is on wet surfaces. And it looks like he's got a dry track today at Oaklawn Park. So the last few runners are going in. Number 10, Blowtorch, Harry Hernandez aboard. Here's the 11, Eternally Grateful. And here's Matt Dinnerman. Pretty good start. Shackelford Strong, Burnin' Hunk of Love. I'm Wide Awake passing that duo to take the lead. I'm Wide Awake's in front by a length and a quarter. Born Flawless strides in the second spot. Burnin' Hunk of Love, Shackelford Strong, Big Sweet, and Shapelbar. And that quartet, two lengths off I'm Wide Awake, who leads the charge down the backstretch. A gap of two to another group. Junior Bug, Blowtorch, and Eternally Grateful, who's three deep. Shack's way, the clear trailer into the far turn. I'm Wide Awake is the leader three quarters of a length. Born Flawless right behind chasing in second Shackelford strong third Shackelbarn losing position Big Sweet has come under a hard ride so is Burnin' Hunk of Love Blowtorch eternally grateful trying to pass runners alongside of Junior Bug who's in that mix coming off the turn Shacksway has to pass them all in a quarter mile back to the lead I'm wide awake off the turn Shackelford strong making a big move to the front in the three path he takes command I'm wide awake second born flawless had to tap on the brakes off of heels in tight Junior Bug is coming on now. Here's Junior Bug and even Eternally Grateful on the far outside. Shackelford Strong still in front. Eternally Grateful lunging late. Here's the line. Shackelford Strong held on. Shackelford Strong over Eternally Grateful. Third home, Junior Bug. Fourth either Shack's way or I'm Wide Awake, the early leader. Jimmy DeVito trainee Shackelford Strong holding off the two favorites in the late stages to get the win unofficially 8-11-4. The order finish in the eighth at Oakland. Shackelford Strong going off at odds of 7-1. to one. Uh, Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G Unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings in the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Okay, owe you some prices at both Aqueduct and Santa Anita. Eighth and final on the card at Aqueduct went to number two, Mandatory. Seven-year-old chestnut gelding by American Pharaoh out of the lost soldier mare Chit Chatter. Owned by America's pastime stables and sleeping giant trained by John Kimmel. Dylan Davis, the winning rider. Mandatory. Returned $9.40, Second 11, Majanera, $4.40, Third three, best bet, $2.60 to show. Fourth the 1A, thank you, John. Exact to 1920, the try $31.37. Dollar Super, $155.20. Over at Santa Anita, results of their fourth race have been posted official. Number one, Pacific Rose, coming away with a maiden win. Three-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Philly by not this time out of the Bernardini Mare Naples Rose. Owned by California Racing Partners and Chala Racing, trained by Doug O'Neill, Antonio Frazu, the winning rider. Pacific Rose, 463-2240. Second, three, Petite Ange, 740-440. Third, five, Pace Lane, 360 to show. Fourth, number six, Criticism. Exact at 1380, try 6180. Dollar Super, 
and 50 cents. We owe you some fairgrounds prices. We'll get you Oakland prices in just a little bit. Out to Santa Anita we go. And they are just, let's see, they're about four minutes away from the fifth race. So we've got a minute or two before we need to get over to Santa Anita. Um, as we came out of our last break, uh, we heard the stretch run of the 2000 edition of the General George, a grade two event back then, won by the uh, very talented Affirm Success, who overall won 17 races and over $2.2 million in his career. He actually ran in the Breeders' Cup four different years. He didn't win any of those races, but he was obviously a very good horse, trained by Richie Schossberg. Uh This year's General George takes place tomorrow at Laurel, along with the grade three Barbara Fritchie. The General George, a race that began in the early or mid-1970s. It's a race that actually wasn't always a sprint. It started off as a mile and a 16th race, and even uh, during the 80s, it was won by some pretty good horses in broad brush and private terms. But after private terms won it in 1988, I believe, it's been a seven furlong race ever since. And we've seen some really good horses win the race over the years. Uh, in addition to a firm success, my cousin Matt and Peeping Tom and Silver Wagon all won this race. Paige McKenney, who, of course, was a horse that was claimed at one point and turned out to be a really nice stake horse, won the race a few years back. Forense Fire, who seemed to run for 13 years straight, uh, won the race, I believe, in 2020 uh, with Irad Ortiz aboard. And this year's edition of the General George takes place tomorrow out at Laurel. It's one of 12 races that Bob Nastanovich and I are going to cover on tonight's Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview starting at 6 p.m., so just over 30 minutes from now. Okay, uh, out to Santa Anita we go. Fifth race on the card. Six furlongs on the turf, possibly, I, I would say, very likely the final Santa Anita race that we are going to cover today. Um, $30,000 the claiming tag. These are fillies and mares that are non-winners of three races lifetime. Scratch number six, Red Diamond, leaves us with a field of six going to post. The nine-to-five favorite in the wagering right now is number two, Yolo Calls, for Pete Erton and Frankie DeTore. Uh, Yolo Calls coming off a, a decent fourth-place finish uh, against similar competition last time out. Now, I say similar competition, but that was an open $25,000 claimer, so this should be a softer spot. Even though it's going from 25000 to 30000 claiming, you're going from open twenty-five to conditioned thirty. This should be an easier spot for Yolo Calls, who... Um, quite frankly, has been more successful on dirt thus far in her career than she has been on turf. Now, her good turf races speed figure-wise certainly make her one of the ones in this spot. She just hasn't gotten through to the winner's circle uh, yet in three career tries on the turf. We'll see if today uh, changes that for her. Second choice in the wagering right now is the one Topolina, for the red-hot Antonio Frezu and Doug O'Neill, Topolina has been facing better runners. Well, at least she was facing better. I don't want to say has been facing better runners because she hasn't run in a long time. She hasn't raced since April of last year. When we saw her running last year and even at the end of 2022, she was showing speed and just getting nipped in the late stages against stronger competition than what she's going to see today. So she's coming back off a long layoff. Uh, for a barn that's okay with these long layoff types. I wouldn't say that it's 
the best thing that Doug O'Neill does, getting them to win off these extended layoffs, uh, but certainly capable, and I would expect Hope Bellina to show speed and be fresh and ready to go off the layoff and glancing at the field. Um, there is some other speed in here. Inner Beauty's got some speed. Golden Prayer looks like the main other speed in the race, and both of them are getting played at the windows too. You know, if, if somehow all three of them lock up on the front end, um, it's going to play right into the hands of Frankie DeTore and the favorite Yolo Calls. So we'll see if she gets the trip that she could get. I, I could envision there being enough speed for Yolo Calls to kind of sit, tip, and go uh, type of a thing uh, to use the standard bread parlance, if you will. All right, they have arrived at the starting gate for this fifth race at Santa Anita. Once again, six furlongs on the turf. This is the conventional newer six furlong sprint race not the down the hill about six and a half furlong race last few runners going in here's frank miramati and they're off dendera gets the first call out of the gate but is immediately headed by ice queen and here's yolo calls Ice Queen, Yolo Calls are now 1-2 with Golden Prayer. Three off the pace in third. Ice Queen with the pedal to the metal opens up four. Dendera is now in fourth, followed by Topolina between horses and Inner Beauty at the back of the field. They string out behind Ice Queen, who has a three-and-a-half length lead into the far turn. Yolo calls, well spotted in second. Golden Prayer to the outside. And at the rail, Dendera in the yellow colors. Topolina is pushed along, asked to pick it up in fifth between rivals. Starting to do so, four lengths off the lead. And Inner Beauty, quarter to go. Ice Queen to catch, two-length advantage. Yolo Calls takes up the chase with those pink blinkers closing in from second. Then Topolina with some breathing room now. Yolo Calls up to take the lead over Ice Queen. Dendera, Topolina are next with Inner Beauty. It's Yolo Calls by two. Here's Dendera with a late surge between and Topolina. It's going to be Yolo Calls to win it three-quarters of a length. Dendera finished with some nice energy second. Then Topolina... Inner beauty in a battle with Ice Queen. Looked like unofficially 2-3-1 in the fifth race at Santa Anita. Number two, Yolo Calls does get a nice trip from just a little bit off the pace. And she gets the win. Wow, she drifted up. Is this correct? This does never happens. She was 9-5, to 2-1 to one every step of the way that we were talking about her. Ends up going off 3-1. to one. We'll take it. 3-1 to one for the team of Frankie DeTore and Pete Erton. In that fifth race at Santa Anita, we will get you those prices in just a little bit. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you paid at Fairgrounds, get you paid at Oaklawn, get you paid at Santa Anita. We'll keep you updated on what's going on in Kentucky Derby Future Book Pool number four. And we're about 19 minutes, maybe 18 minutes away from the ninth race at Oaklawn, betting with Bobby, HRRN. My battle buddies and I attended the NHL Stadium Series at Yankee Stadium. We had never been there before, and two of us had never seen a hockey game. Man, we had the time of our lives. It was great therapy. Ventix, we can't thank you enough. Every empty seat at a concert, a game, motorsports, or a play is a missed opportunity to say thanks to a veteran and service member. We can help. We can give our veterans a special event 
where they too can create their own cherished memories. Find out how by visiting www.vettix.org. That's www.vettix.org. Find out how you can make a difference in a veteran's life. A gentle breeze blows across your face as you take a refreshing sip of water, appreciating the stillness of another morning fishing on the lake. The distant gurgle of a stream reminds you of days spent playing in the creek, the cool, clear water rushing between your toes. You love this time with nature, the feeling of putting everything on hold to connect with the world around you. Now, imagine it's all gone. No fish, no lake, no water. One of life's most vital resources, irreplaceably depleted. Time is running out to protect fresh water, and without our love, it can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our fresh water. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org slash love. It just isn't the same without the lion. Join the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance today. Visit SDZWA.org. Trainer Talk, presented by Phasing Tipton. Please join me in welcoming Hall of Fame trainer Todd Fletcher. Hall of Fame trainer Nick Zito on Trainer Talk. Welcome Hall of Famer Bob Baffert to the program. Hall of Fame trainer Suge McGahee, nice enough to spend some time with us. Hall of Fame trainer Bill Mott here on Trainer Talk. Dual Hall of Fame trainer Mark Cassie. Trainer Talk, the biggest names in horse racing. Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. They're at the top of the lane in the ladies' classic, and Plum Pretty hugs the rail and kicks for home, and she's got something left. Plum Pretty going on for home gamely now. In the center, it's tricky, stretching her every yard of the way. Royal Delta's getting involved late as well. Plum Pretty along the inside. It's tricky racing between them and Royal Delta. It's a thriller. Royal Delta's going to score. Royal Delta strikes the front. And Royal Delta, perfectly handled, has taken the ladies' classic. She's won her division for the year, too. Royal Delta, it's tricky. Bash attack ran on for third. Ultra blend and Plum Pretty got tired that last 16th of a mile. Welcome back. Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. That was the voice of Trevor Denman back in 2011. Remember there was a time when somebody decided it was a good idea to rename the Breeders' Cup Distaff to the Breeders' Cup Ladies' Classic. And it was that way for two or three years. And in back-to-back years in the Breeders' Cup Ladies' Classic, Royal Delta, trained by Bill Mott, got the job done. She won it in 2011 and 2012. That was the 2011 version that you heard there coming out of that break. Royal Delta would go on to be the Eclipse Award champion three-year-old filly in 2011. She would be the champion older mare in both 2012 and 2013. And she was inducted into the Racing Hall of Fame five years ago, 2019. There is a race named in her honor tomorrow 
out at Gulfstream Park. Overall, Royal Delta raced 22 times in her career, and she won 12 of those 22 races, making over $4.8 million in earnings. Uh, the Royal Delta Stakes is a race that uh, for a long time was known as the Sabin. I believe it was the Sabin Handicap for a little bit and then the Sabin Stakes, a race that began in the early 90s. And I think uh, a filly for Shug named Fit for a Queen was the initial, the uh, the inaugural winner, I should say, uh, of the Sabin back then. But Royal Delta won the Sabin uh, back in 2013. It was just a couple of years later that the race was renamed in her honor. And uh, it is the featured event tomorrow out at Gulfstream Park. Uh, not always the cream of the crop as far as the Philly and Mare divisions go running in the Royal Delta. It's just the kind of the time of the year. And you know that, you know, they're kind of gearing up the, for a second half of the year run, not necessarily a first half of the year run. But every now and then you get a big name who wins the race. Awesome Maria won the race, I believe, back-to-back years for Todd Pletcher. Latruska won the Royal Delta just a couple of years ago for Fausto Gutierrez, and she was a very nice uh, Philly slash mare in her own right. Nice field tomorrow in the Royal Delta. I happen to think that there's a Philly who is better than the rest of them, but uh, I'm going to save that for the Amwager Weekend Stakes preview, which comes up, oh, about 21 minutes from now. Bob Nastanovich gets ready to uh, join me to cover 12 races from around the country. Owe you some prices from everywhere. Going to start over at Fairgrounds. Eighth and final race on their card went to number four, Controlled Temper. Three-year-old Bay Philly by Collected out of the Malibu Moon Mare Moon Meeting or Moon Meeting 2. Owned by Mark Stanley and Nancy Stanley and trained by Dallas Stewart, James Graham, the winning rider. And controlled temper paid 760, 360, and 260. Second, seven, Maylen, 640, 380. Third, nine, Wekia, 320 to show. Fourth was number eight, Hard Exit. Exact at 39.70. The trifecta, $73.15. Dollar Super, $970.90. Over at Oaklawn Park, eighth race on the card, uh, tenacious win for number, uh, number eight, Shackelford Strong. He's a six-year-old Bay Gelding by Shackelford out of the quiet American Mare, American Dream, owned by Miguel Luna, trained by Jimmy DeVito. Carlos Barbosa, who, to be perfectly honest, is a rider I don't know much about, the winning rider. He's a seven-pound bug. Shackelford Strong paid $16.60 to win, $8 to place, and $4.20 to show. Second, 11, Eternally Grateful, $4.20, Third, four, Junior Bug, $2.80 to show. Fourth was number six, Shaq's Way. The Exacta paid fifty-one seventy. The try ninety-five ninety-five. Sounds like Earl Shide, except he was ninety-nine for ninety-five. Um, dollar Superfecta three thousand seven dollars and sixty cents. Speaking of Earl, I can't listen. I grew up in Southern California. Earl Shide was the the auto painting king uh, out there for many many years. But I will always remember him. Uh, for two things. One, he was the owner of Green Thumb Farm Stable. Uh, that was the name of the stable, and uh, he had trainers like Joe Manzi and Steve Ippolito and some other, you know, several other trainers. Um, two, uh, he owned a horse named Franz Valentine, who ran in the 1984 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Fillies and won the race at odds of 70 to 1. 
uh, which is amazing enough as it is. Add that to the fact that Earl Scheib, supposedly, bet 10000 to win on Franz Valentine. Purse is a million dollars, 600000 to the winner, $700,000 for the 10000 to win at 70 to 1. Inquiry sign goes up. Many, many minutes later, stewards make a decision. Franz Valentine disqualified. Outstandingly put up for the win. And that officially is the worst beat I think I've ever heard of in horse racing. 1984 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Earl Scheib loses the 600. And by the way, not DQ'd to second either. Loses the $600,000 purse money, loses the $700,000 that he was going to collect on the wager as Franz Valentine was DQ. But his shtick was uh, something I'd paint any car for $99.95 or whatever in some raspiest type of a voice. And uh, yeah, the, uh, the names from our past, if you will. Um, but yeah, that's where, I, that's where I go as far as when I think of Earl Scheib. Um, over at Santa Anita, fifth race has gone official. Number two, Yolo calls the winner a five-year-old gray or mare by Exaggerator out of the Macho Uno Mare Seductive Charm, owned by Hannah McDougal or Rahib, trained by Pete Erton, Frankie DeTore, the winning rider on Yolo Calls, who paid eight dollars, five dollars, and two eighty. Second three, Dendera, eleven eighty, four twenty. Third one, Topolina, two forty. Fourth number four. Ice Queen, the Exacta 4230, the Tri $117.30. The Dollar Super, $615.90. Our producer, Lee Pina, who several of you have had a chance to speak to time and time again, says that he had his 1971 Super Beetle painted by Earl Scheib, which I guess two things. First means that Earl Scheib was not only in Southern California, he was all over the place. And uh, yes, he was wrong for a long time, and, obvi- and I'm guessing in 19... 19- well, first of all, you probably didn't get painted in 1971s. Probably somewhere in the 80s, you had a 1971 Beetle, is what I'm guessing. And uh, maybe it cost you $99.95. Uh, all I can say is I, I hope... I hope... I always said 1992. I hope, uh, I hope that Earl Scheib's team did a good job my friend. They certainly were around for a long, long time. And uh, and yeah, I hope they did a good job. They're actually coming on the track now for the ninth race over at Oaklawn Park. We've got about seven minutes to go for that race. So we've got a little bit of time. I think I'm going to update everyone on a few things. First of all, and might repeat this during the Amwager Weekend Stakes preview. Uh, if you are thinking about going to the Breeders' Cup this year in 2024, uh, once again, it's at Del Mar. In fact, it's at Del Mar in both 24 and 25. Uh, news from the folks at the Breeders' Cup that tickets will go on sale Monday, April 22nd. You can actually find the press release uh, on the bloodhorse.com website. Uh, but the gist of it is that go to breederscup.com forward slash 2024, that's 2024, and you're going to get receive ticket information. But that's it. 
Apparently, uh, apparently, if you go there and you put breederscup.com forward slash 2024, you could probably find out what the tickets are going to cost and exactly when they go on sale and how many you can buy and all that kind of fun stuff. But Monday, April 22nd is the day. If you're looking to go to the Breeders' Cup this year, and I know a lot of people, I personally know a lot of people who maybe have never been to Del Mar and want to go for the first time or have been to Del Mar during their summer meet and loved it and want to see what a Breeders' Cup is like out there where the turf meets the surf. Uh, yeah, here's your information, and the tickets go on sale in just over two months. Uh, back to the Kentucky Derby future pool, not really any change. I shouldn't say that. Not much changed since I last updated you. Dornuck is still the individual favorite at 9-1. to one. Uh, Boy, it's, it's really weird where we've gotten in these Derby Future Pools. And I've, I've cashed money on Derby Future Pets, never on these ones sh- sanctioned by Churchill. I just, I just happen to not like them very much. Not, not, not dislike Churchill. I don't like these bets that they're putting on. Um, I don't think we're getting – I don't love the odds in these spots. Uh, I, I've cashed big money wet back before they did any of this when places like Caesars Palace or some offshore books would offer you future betting on the Derby. Um, so the all other three-year-olds category is still favored at four to one. Uh, second choice in the wagering and the individual favorite is Dornick at nine to one. And there's no money in the pool right now. And when I mean there's no money in the pool, Dornick, who's the favorite, has $2,400 on him. The all-other category has $4,800. That, that's very low. And my guess is, and this makes sense, that people who are thinking about playing in this pool are going to wait at least until after what they see in tomorrow's Risen Star at Fairgrounds and possibly even after what they see in the Sunland Derby. Now, I, I don't want to give away who I like in the Sunland Derby at this point. I don't think the horses that are in the Sunland Derby look like this year's Kentucky Derby winner, um, but you never know. We have had a horse out of the Sunland Derby that has won the Kentucky Derby. He didn't win the Sunland Derby. Mind that bird, 2009. I believe he ran fourth in the Sunland Derby back then, but of course he did win the he did win the uh, Kentucky Derby that year, and he ran very well in the Preakness, just getting beaten by Rachel Alexandra. Uh, two weeks later. But uh, my guess is that whoever, if some, especially if somebody like Sierra Leone wins the Risen Star, I think he may be the individual favorite in this race. He is right now 13 to 1 in the wagering. He's actually the third choice between the all other three year olds and Dornick. Boy, it's amazing what one goofball race will do. Fierceness. You know, people were talking about him like, how are they, is anyone going to beat this horse? And he was so impressive in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and bop, 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 and all that. And and that part of it was true. And then he ran just kind of a so-so third in the Holy Bull as a one-to-nine shot or whatever he was that day, where it looked like even though he didn't have the cleanest of trips, he certainly had every chance to win. And now we're at the point where we say, well, Fierceness might be the best three-year-old, I don't know if he's the most trustworthy three-year-old, and I don't know if I can trust him at a short price. And now he is 15 to one right now uh, on the board. But like I said, if you're thinking about playing this Derby Future Pool number four, uh, I mean, unless you're going to be somewhere where there's no internet and no chance of you logging on or doing anything 
for the next, you know, 48 hours, why not wait until at least after the Risen Star, if not after the Sunland Derby, uh, to see what's what before you make a decision. And maybe you'll find something that you think is a good price. Don't forget, you don't get locked in at your price. You know, you, so if you're thinking you can bet Sierra Leone, let's, I'm just hypothetically saying him. I'm not even, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to win the Risen Star tomorrow. But let, hypothetically, if, if you like Sierra Leone, you know, you bet him at his current price of 13 to 1. You don't get 13 to 1. You get whatever he closes at at the end of the pool, which I believe is 6 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. So if you bet him at 13 to 1 now and he wins the Risen Star, he could go down to 8 to 1 and then you didn't get a price that you wanted. Uh, or you bet him at 13 to 1 now and he runs like a slug in the Risen Star or even worse, something bad happens and you know, in the Brisbane Star and he, something happens to him, you've lost your money. Don't forget, future wagers are not cancelable. You, once you bet it, that's that. You, you, you bet it, and in these pools, you get whatever the final odds are at the end of the pool, and if you bet now and you don't like the way he runs or he gets hurt or something like that, you've lost your money. That's the way it is. So I would wait. All right, they're at the gate for the ninth race at Oaklawn, which is an allowance event at a mile and an eighth. These are four-year-olds and up that are non-winners of two races lifetime. We've got a field of seven. Eight to five favorite is number five, King Russell. Speaking of the Kentucky Derby, he ran in the Kentucky Derby last year. He got beat 25 lengths. Uh, But he was second to Angel of Empire in the Arkansas Derby prior to that. He's making his second start of 2024, ran a good second in a one-mile allowance race last time out. Looks like the extra distance could help his chances. Southern Sunset, second choice on the board, coming off a resounding maiden win on a sloppy track at Oaklawn last time out. They're at the gate. Here's race nine in Hot Springs. And uh, Laruff. Uneventful start. B minor gets the first call, goes right to the lead, gets towards the rail, establishes a clear advantage in the early stages. Flying Houdini off the fence now in second with Harlow Cap. Lord Vicente off of them running in the fourth position, joining Gamekeeper. King Russell at the rear with Southern Sunset into the clubhouse turn they go. B minor on the fence, leads by a length from Flying Houdini, second on the tail of that leader around the turn. A gap of two to Harlow Cap, then Gamekeeper, Lord Vicente still side by side. They're four lengths behind. They're five clear of Southern Sunset. And the gray, King Russell, who ran second last year in the Arkansas Derby, will have to pass them all now joining Southern Sunset. Those two at the back, and they are running nine lengths off the lead down the back stretch. B minor, Christian Torres, carve out the fractions here. But here's Flying Houdini now to turn up the heat a bit. And these two are just a neck apart down the backside with Gamekeeper moving forward on the inside to claim third with Harlow Cap. Lord Vicente continues to race in fifth. A length in front of his stablemate, Southern Sunset, King Russell. It's been aggressively ridden since the opening into the gates is still at the back. And he's only six behind, though, as they round the far turn. Anybody's race still around the turn. It's still on the lead. B minor, a half length in front. 
Flying Houdini, second, niggle the long a bit. Harlow Cap has not been asked for his best yet. Gamekeeper's shaken up. Here comes a run on the outside from King Russell, and King Russell's let loose on the grandstand side, joining Harlow Cap. B minor trying to dig in on the inside. Harlow Cap let loose now by Keith Asmussen. It looks like he's going to have a big day today. He's already won three. Can he make it four as he kicks away by three legs? Nice acceleration displayed today by Harlow Cap, and Harlow Cap's going to do it. King Russell second, B minor third. That's how they'll finish. Harlow Cap, Keith Asmussen, four wins on the day. King Russell second, B minor third. Gamekeeper checks it fourth. Unofficially 3-5-4-1 in the ninth race at Oaklawn Park. Number three, Harlow Cap, former, trainer, former trainee of Bob Baffert, is now in the Steve Asmussen barn. Gets his first win for Asmussen. And fourth win on the day for his son, Keith Asmussen. Covered at the mile and an eighth. Uh, what did they cover it in? Ah, they're going to put the time up shortly. But uh, an impressive win, nonetheless, for Harlow Cup. I have a very, very good friend that likes to play the races and for some reason despises jockey Keith Asmussen. Not personally, just one of those things. He just, he, you know, he's on the wrong side of him no matter what. If he wins, he's betting against him. If uh, he loses, he bet on him. And my guess is that if Keith Asmussen won four races today at Oaklawn, that is a bad day for my buddy. Probably a bad day for my buddy. 151 and 1, the time for a mile and an eighth. We're going to try to get you those prices before uh, we get out of here at the top of the hour. I uh, want to remind everybody tomorrow here on the network, Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires. Our good friend Mike Penna going to talk with trainers Whit Beckman and Gary Shearer as they look ahead to Saturday stakes at the fairgrounds. Kevin Kirstein previews all of the graded stakes action in the bayou. And National HBPA CEO Eric Hamelbeck joins the show to talk about the claiming crown, which is going back to Churchill Downs. Plus, Ashley Anderson gives you three races to watch in this week's Twin Spires, Twin Spires Triple Play, easy for me to say. Kurt Becker takes you on a stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. Dale Roman's Tim Wilkin tackle the sport's hottest topics on I Ask, They Answer, presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program, another huge addition of the Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires tomorrow morning from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. couple other uh, little bit of notes from around the country. Looks like uh, Linda, trainer Linda Rice is going to drop her appeal and serve a 14-day suspension for a Butte positive. Um, she is going to start the suspension on Sunday, March the 3rd, so right after the running of the Gotham Stakes the day before. And uh, other than that... Uh, if you're looking for Locked, who uh, missed a little bit of time because of an illness, uh, it sounds like he worked well today in South Florida, and he should be running next weekend in the Fountain of Youth, or uh, coming up in two weeks in the Fountain of Youth. That's going to wrap it up today on Betting with Bobby. My thanks to all the listeners and the callers. Thanks to our producer, Lee Delapina. I'm Bobby Newman. Stick around. Coming up next, the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview. Bob Nastanovich and I going to handicap a dozen races from around the country this weekend. Starts in about three minutes.